Well, today I want to talk about living a courageous 2023, to live a a life and a dream uh, bigger than we could ever imagine. It seems that our lives are bookmarked by these 365-day points that we tend to describe if our year was good or not good. Like, for example, how many of y'all had a great 2022? Okay, four of you. How many go, it could have been better? All right, there we go. That's everybody. How many go, well, 2022 was better than 2021? Hey, how about 2020 just stunk? How many would agree with that one? 2019, how many had a good 2019? All right. How many of you have had just a lousy five years? (laughs) There we go. Those are my people. And we tend to just benchmark our lives based on looking back in January at what we, uh, what we perceive as what would have been a great year or a bad year and what we hope to accomplish in the next year. And by the second or third week, it's all out the window. And we tend to define our years, uh, whether it was a good year or a bad year, on a couple of things. One, circumstances, and two, other people. How, how do people uh, impact our year and how do events or circumstances impact our year? But what we fail to see is the power of every day that is made up in those years. And so what we want to talk today about is living this courageous 2023. Now, courageous does not just mean being full of courage. It literally means being not deterred by events, people, or circumstances of pushing through. And when we talk about pushing through and living a courageous 2023, I just want to go ahead up front and say this. It's hard to live courageous in the world that we live in today. I mean, we live in a world that is socially media driven. We, we are inundated by people we don't know. Matter of fact, we, we determine if we like people or don't like people based on a tweet. How many of y'all like people that are on Twitter or on YouTube? You just like them because, well, you heard what they said sometime. How many of y'all don't like some people because of what you heard about them online? How many people don't like you because of what you said online? <laughs> right? We, we build this idea of enemies based on other people. And we find our joy or our hope based on what people say. That we allow people that we've never met to determine our attitude towards other people. And so to live a courageous life is very hard at times. And so today we're going to talk um, about a man named David in the 139th Psalm. If you have your Bibles, you can go and turn there or open your app or turn on the, the Bible app or whatever it may be, or you can follow along on the screen in just a few moments. But David comes to this point in his life where he is appointed the king over Israel. The matter of fact, the Bible says he is a man after God's own heart. We, we see moments of David's life where he was a true warrior. He beats Goliath with some stones and a slingshot. We see that he's also a guy that's been overlooked a lot in his life. He was the youngest of the, of the family. How many are the youngest in here? And, you know, like you're always the favorite, but you're overlooked sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And I was the youngest. My mom loved me the most. You know how I know? Because she told me. And... Um, <laughs> And David at times was often overlooked. And then God had a call on his life. He had a mentor named Saul, but, but Saul ends up tormenting him his whole life. And there's these insecurities and these fears. There's these, these issues and lust and things that he has been battling with. And in 139th Psalm, it's the very first thing that David writes after being appointed king. So the 139th Psalm is literally the first writings of David after being appointed uh, to the king, being king. And he has this idea 
when he begins to share his heart with God. And, and most of the psalm goes like this. God, you know me. God, you love me. You know everything there is to know about me. And God, you know I love you. But God, there's some issues out there. I got these enemies and it's these people. And you know how much I hate your enemies, God. And, and Lord, I hope you really hate the people that hate me. And God, my life would be so much better if you would just kill all my enemies. How many of you go, that's a good prayer? <laughs> the problem is, if God did that, he'd have to kill you because you're somebody's enemy. And if he killed all of your enemies, guess what? You'd have new ones tomorrow. But David does something so profound in this moment, this psalm, that many times we've heard it, but there's a depth to it that I, I think we miss. For the first like 21 verses, he's talking about how the enemy is out there. It's, it's our circumstances. It's, it's people. And then so many oftentimes David's saying, and I think we would all agree, we find our happiness or we find our joy based on circumstances and how other people do what they do. If everybody else is okay, then my life will be okay. But if somebody else offends me, hurts me, wounds me, then my life is caved in. And what we do is we give permission for other people and circumstances to be our God. And David's saying, God, you know my enemies, God. You know that I can't stand my enemies and it would be very helpful if you couldn't stand my enemies. But something happens right in the middle of this. It's really profound. There's a shift in David's heart, it's like almost immediate. He talks about his enemies and then he gets to this place in 139th Psalm where he has this, oh, it's almost this epiphany where he goes, maybe the enemy isn't those or the circumstances that are out there. Maybe the real enemy is the inner me. Maybe the real enemy in my life is the inner me. It's what's on the inside of me that's causing me not to live a life that God had created me for. See, because what, what I want you to grasp in your heart before we uh, get too far into this is that you were created in the image and the likeness of God. That God designed you and he planned you and he dreamed you. How many of you believe you were designed by God? Okay, now, all of you that raise your hand, how many think God makes failures? How many think that God is a God of average? See, God goes, I'm gonna really come up with some average people today and you all are it. <laughs> How many thinks God just didn't know what he was doing? See, the truth is you were created in the image of God. You were created with purpose and destiny that God didn't create you and go, man, I just hope they have a cruddy 2023. I just hope their life has no joy and no peace and no hope. See, we were created in the image and the likeness of God and David realizes it. And what he had been thinking was is that everybody else and all the circumstances were what was gonna give him peace, hope, and joy. But then he has the moment and the epiphany that says, maybe the real enemy is not out there. Maybe the real enemy is the enemy. And what I'm processing. And he does so and he prays a prayer. What I'm gonna say is a courageous prayer. This prayer, I believe, is the most courageous prayer we could ever pray. But it's not words. It's what David invites God into. And what David is saying is, God, I want a new season of my life that grows me far greater than I could ever imagine. 
That you would take my life and do something that I far, would far exceed anything that I could ever dream or hope for. God, I want to grow in this new season of my life. And so he invites God by this courageous prayer to say, God, would you transform me? Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, David says this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Now remember, he's not talking to us. He is talking to God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into a way that is everlasting. What he's saying is, God, I, I want to step into a place I've never stepped before. And the very first thing he does is he invites God into the uncomfortable. Search me, God, and know me. He invites God into a place of the uncomfortable. He invites God to step into a space and a place that, that really is uncomfortable. It's the inner, inner depth of who he is. And, and God is saying, I want to step into the inner depth of who you are. Now, how many of you, especially the men, you don't like to go to the doctor? Right? Mostly men raise their hand. Uh, I don't like to go to the doctor, not because I'm afraid of the doctor. I just don't want to know what's really wrong with me. <laughs> and now I'm 48, going to be 49. I've got to have that one appointment that every guy dreads, the first one. I've been putting that off, and my wife went and found all the information. She got me set up for that. So thankful for that. You know what I'm talking about, men. And I haven't been there yet. And it's not because I don't want to go. No, I really don't want to go to that. But... It's not that I don't like doctors. I, I love doctors. I'm just afraid of what they're going to tell me is wrong with me. And I would rather live not knowing what is wrong with me than to know what is wrong with me because on WebMD it says I'm going to die. <laughs> so if I don't know what's wrong with me, then obviously I'm going to be healthy, right? <laughs> That's terrible theology. <laughs> See, the truth is so often I don't want to know because if I know what is wrong with me, then I got to do something about it. And the fear of knowing is sometimes far worse than just not knowing. But when I don't know, it, it limits how I grow. It, it limits how I, I, I grow and, and find out. I, I remember my wife, she was so gracious to make me an appointment to get all my, my blood lab works done. That was a lot of fun. And I went there. And the next day, they were going to call me to tell me my results. For 24 hours, I just knew. I just knew I had the bubonic plague. <laughs> Never had my blood work done. They gave me all things. And, and guess what? It was pretty much normal. You know, they said, eat more red meat and a lot more salt. You'll be good. So I'm going to do that. <laughs> and with, but with God... And so often we want the blessing of God, but we don't want to invite God into the uncomfortable place. This space where we say, God, I want to grow. I want to invite you in to the depth of my heart. And David is saying, I've grown this far, but I'm capped. And now, God, you're wanting to take me in a new season and grow me here and grow me here and grow me and grow me and grow me. But to grow, I got to know who I am. And Lord, I need to invite you in so that you can stretch me and heal me and grow me, God. And so, God, I'm asking you to search me. Because if we just trust ourselves, most of the time we'll convince ourselves we're okay. But the thing about the heart, Jeremiah says, is this. 
is the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And what David is saying is, God, I want to invite you in to the uncomfortable place so I can grow to a space I never knew I could live at. If we begin to invite God into the uncomfortable, what we'll realize is a couple of things. Is that God really does love you. And maybe we don't trust him with the uncomfortable areas of our life, but God really does love you. And God is not going to be offended by you and turned off by you and despise you. God loves you and he wants to step into the inner places of your heart and your life. But we allow this fear to push God out because, man, if God really knew what I was all about, there's no way he would want to step in. But here's what I want you to know. God knows you. He knew you. He knew you before you were born. He knows you're jacked up. We're all jacked up. Because yet while you were sinner, a sinner, Jesus came and he died for you. That he doesn't love you as you should be. He loves you as you are. And so often we have, this mis, uh, we have this perception that as Christians, we have to have it all together. We have this image double. Can we just get rid of that stupid image? We are broken and wounded. We are in need of a savior. We got issues. We all got issues. Look around. Look at your neighbor and go, mm-hmm. <laughs> Look back and go, mm-hmm. Look at the stage and go, oof. See, what I'm saying is we have made Christianity into this pretty little religion with white picket fences where no brokenness comes in. That is not Christianity. That is religion. A relationship with Jesus is the broken, it's the wounded, it's the bruised. There's a God who loves us and he steps into the mess of our life and he lifts us up and he brings us out and he walks with us on the journey. But we have to be willing to invite Jesus into the uncomfortable places and spaces of our life. So David invites him into the uncomfortable. And then the second thing David does is he asks God to do something that's very, very overwhelming. He asks God to uncover his fears. He asks God to uncover his fears. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. How many of y'all would, let's be honest, let's all participate today. The more you participate, the quicker I'll be. The more quiet you are, we'll be here all day till I get the crowd with me. How many of y'all would say this year, I want to grow to a whole new level, maybe as a dad, a mom, as a follower of Christ in my relationships, in my life. I want to grow this year like I've never grown before. Okay, keep your hands up. Hold it up. Hold it up. Don't clap. Just hold it up. Don't, some of you are already, your arm's tired. You need to start working out for your resolution. Hold, your, hold up your arm. Hold up your arm. Now look around, look around. Everyone with their hand raised, you just said, God, I want to test. Put your hand down. Don't you hate teachers that give pop quizzes? I want to pop the teacher that gives pop quizzes. David says, test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Every promotion in your life will be preceded by testing. That there's a testing. But in school, listen, in school, if you fail a test, they label you as a failure. Isn't that ridiculous? You got an F. What does that mean? Failure. What's D mean? 
F's the only one that really, B, what is B? A, A doesn't mean anything, A, <laughs> A, but F, failure, <laughs> A, failure. If you fail a test, what they label you as, but in life and with God, the test isn't about being a failure. The test is revealing where you are and where you need to grow. And David says, Lord, I want to test because testing precedes promotion and you can't skip the process. That God is wanting to grow you from here to here to here to here to here. And he says, God, test me in this, test me in this so that you would uncover my fears, my anxiety, my anxious thoughts. Fear will keep us from growing. Fear will keep us from living at a whole new level. Fear will keep us handcuffed to the past and afraid to step out in the future. Fear will cause us to retreat and not move forward. Fear is the enemy, the, the, the tool the enemy will use every time. Now listen, listen, listen. When I talk about fear and anxiety and even depression, I'm not, in this moment, we're not referring to a real issue of mental health that the church needs to waken up to because it is a real issue. For so long, we just said, just get over it. If you, you love Jesus, just get over it. We don't say that to anybody that's got a heart disease. Just get over it. We say, go to the doctor. And Pastor Stan's gonna be sharing a message on this because it is real and we are with you. And if you're battling fear and depression and anxiety and a whole different mental health issue, what I want you to know is that that doesn't make you weird, it makes you human and we're walking with you and that's a journey and we wanna help you connect and grow and be with doctors because it's a real thing. What I'm talking about here is the, the fear of life that all of us battle. And David says, God, uncover my anxious thoughts, reveal them, test me in them. Meaning this, that God, as I grow, there's going to be some things, some anxiety, some, some fear, some worry, some doubt. And as I grow, God, I need, I need you to reveal in me what is holding me back. Because in my life and, and in your life too, where I have confusion, where I have confusion from God, I need a word from God. The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask and he'll freely give it to you. Meaning that when I'm having confusion about what God is saying, I need a word from God. We live, we serve a God who speaks to us. But where I have fear, listen, where I have fear in my life, it's an area that I have not surrendered to God. See, most of us, we live just waiting for the other shoe to drop. We're waiting for bad news. We're waiting for someone to do something dumb. We're waiting for somebody to mess up. We have this fear of somebody else and we've given them permission to be the God of our future because we're, we're putting our hope in what other people do. And in this fear, this resentment, it keeps us from forgiving and loving and serving and trusting and growing fear. And where I have fear in my life, it's an area that I haven't surrendered to Jesus. Now, sometimes fear, a moment of fear is a good thing. It's an alert. It's an awareness. But the spirit of fear that constantly causes me to live back here because I can't trust to move forward because my fear has handcuffed me to my past. And so sometimes moments of fear are okay. Like, you know, when you take out the garbage in the middle of the night and you hear a noise and you kind of scoot really quick. <laughs> this past week, fun moment. 
um, my son, my, my 13-year-old son, he, he's got the task of taking out the garbage because, well, I've earned that right as a dad that I shouldn't have to do that anymore. So I really got in my life. I'm holding on to it. Unless my wife says he went to bed, you need to take out the garbage. I do that. But it was really late night. Dad, can you take out the garbage? No, son, I'm going to sit here and enjoy my recliner for four minutes. And so he takes out the trash, and about five minutes later, I hear the most blood-curling scream I've ever heard. So I slowly got up. (laughs) What's the worst could happen? Because it was either he got eaten by a coyote or hit by a car. And neither one could I really help him with. So So I open up my front door, I go out my front door, and there's a man, not my son, a man standing there. And I immediately went karate kid mode. Because if you're the dad, that's how you protect your home. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> and so I, I go, he goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, where is my son? I mean, I'm not too scared, but I know my wife's coming. I'm going to have to have the answer to where my son is. <laughs> and I look, and my son's in the neighbor's yard way down there screaming, ah! I don't know what to do. And sure enough, here comes my wife. <laughs> my baby, my baby. Eat Shane, not the baby, you know. And I said, well, what's on? Well, my, my, my neighbor has a little dog, a little Frenchie. And uh, my son, he was so in the moment of the trash with his AirPods in listening to something. He didn't realize then the dog came up in the middle of the night and touched him. And he freaked out. And he started screaming and running, which excited the dog. And he thought he wanted to play. So he chased him over to the neighbor's yard. <laughs> My wife's thinking someone's murdering my son. I'm thinking the football game's on pause. Can we hurry this up? And now my neighbors want to talk to me. See, sometimes fear is not a bad thing. It like alerts you because something could be wrong. But what David is saying is this anxiety, this fear of this past, this spirit of fear. The Bible says 365 times, it's ironic, fear not. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't have fear. It means you shouldn't live with the spirit of fear because the spirit of fear keeps you from loving and forgiving and trusting and hoping and moving forward. I remember when I was having these, these fears that maybe my son wasn't going to be healed or, or these different things. And I remember I was this emotion and wherever there's fear, you, you tend to try to be the God of that circumstance. Wherever there's fear, you haven't turned it over to God completely. Like God needs my help. And I remember God would say to me stuff like, when are you going to let me be the God of your son? When are you going to let me be the God of your circumstance? And what God was saying is, when are you going to open your heart? Because perfect love casts out all fear. And what you're saying is, God, uh, I don't trust you. And so wherever I have a fear, I have an area of my life not surrendered to the Lord. Maybe you're, you're your fear is your marriage and you've been hurt. And so you, you live in fear and you're constantly in struggle because that fear has caused you to be the God of that circumstance. Maybe it's your fear of your finance, your fear of your future, your fear of whatever it may be. And men, we're the worst of this. We don't want to admit we have any fears, but the truth is we, we are completely inundated with fears at times. And so what I had to do is I would write down my fears I got a little notebook and I would write them down. I'm not trusting God in this. God, I don't know what to do there. And I don't just go tell my family. I don't know who to tell. Half the time I'm going, God, I'm freaking out about this. I'm freaking out about that, God. God, what is it? And what it is saying is, God, I'm not trusting you to be the God of this circumstance. 
And where I have fear, I retreat. Where I have fear, I try to fight a fight I wasn't intended to fight. And where I have fear, it will keep me in my past. And David's saying, God, I don't want to live here. You're setting me up for a new season to grow to a place I've never been. This is going to be not a good year. This is going to be the God year. And so, God, I need to let go of some of these fears that have been holding me down here. So God, I need you to uncover the fears. Where's the fear? What is the thing you've been holding on to? What is the thing that you have been holding on to that not letting the perfect love cast out all fear? The third thing David does is he begins to heal from the unrevealed. Heal from the unrevealed. See, what we know about David later in his life is he had some sin that was hidden in his heart. See, what David is saying here, search me and let me know, God, if there's any offensive ways in me. What David is saying is, Lord, make me aware of the sins that I don't even know I have. And Lord, help me to bring to the surface the hidden sins that I have. Let me, let me deal with these sins. It's that thing that I don't want to deal with. It's either that I don't know that I have or it's that I don't want anyone to know that I have. And I just want you to know, the enemy will use the hidden places and the unrevealed spaces to destroy your future. Guys, some of you are probably dealing with some hidden sin of some pornography or things like that. Can I just tell you something? This is the safest place because you're not alone. And we want to walk with you and God wants to heal you and, you. and you keep thinking, man, I've messed up. It's so bad. I, I don't want anyone to know or I'll just beat it or I'll just overcome it. And what, I, and what David is saying is I can't do this on my own. And when David does try to do it later in his life on his own, he finds himself having an affair and committing murder. Now, I'm not saying that's you. But I'm saying he had some real issues they say, God, I need you to help me heal in these areas. For some of you, we've got some unrevealed sins or unrevealed personal issues that we're not dealing with. We're hot-tempered. We're unforgiving. We're, 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 we don't like people because, man, they have a different theological stance. Or we don't like people because they have a different political stance. Well, Micah, I don't like you because you're on Instagram and said, I know something like you don't like. And all of a sudden you're all mad and you're letting people steal. And you've got these, this unresolved anger, hurt issue. It's not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. It's bitterness, anger, frustration, rage. What is it that you're most offensive of? What is it that people have been trying to share with you? Man, this is an issue. What is it that has got you so frustrated? And David's going, God, show me these offensive ways. Because God, I don't want to be hindered in this next season. I want to grow. Oh, I'm going to miss it. I'm going I'm to come short. But God, I want to grow. I want to grow. God, I want to reveal it. That's why we need each other. That's Man, that's what I'm telling you. Go to, to man church. Get around some guys that it's okay to not be okay. Can I just let you know it's okay to not be okay? It's just not okay to stay that way. You got some hurts and habits some hangups. Get, get to CR. Like, let's stop pretending we have all of our junk together all the time. 
Let's just do this together. Say, I am. That's, you're pretty eager to say that. You don't even know what I'm going to say. <laughs> you were claiming it. I am jacked up. And so, so are they. That was louder. Here's what I want you to know. We don't have it all together. God's not asking you to have it all together. God is asking you to invite him into the uncomfortable place to grow you and grow you and grow you and grow you. So you're not just going, maybe I'll have a good year. Maybe if this person does that and these circumstances happen, it'll be a good year. Bump a good year. I want a God year. I want to look back and go, this was the year that God's hand was on my life, that he grew me. He strengthened me. He encouraged me. He empowered me. I'm tired of just good enough. I want the God enough in my life. I'm preaching better than you're clapping. <laughs> so David says, I've got to heal from the unrevealed, the sin that I'm unaware of or that I'm hiding. Why? Because number four, and we end with this. Because God, I want a new direction. I want a new direction. He says, and lead me into the everlasting. You know what he's saying here? Lead me to a life of purpose. You know what's going to bring the God year for your life? It's having purpose in the life that you live. That your life matters. That you start seeing the eternal aspects, not the temporary circumstance. When you are focused on the temporary result, you will always get a temporary emotion. But when you focus on the eternal aspect and the purpose and the everlasting, you will begin to see that your life is, you were created for more than you could ever dream of. And you will grow from here to here to here to here. And it's a journey. It's a process. You don't just get it from here to there. Some of y'all went to the gym. You got your little Planet Fitness card. Hey. You lift it one time and you're in the mirror, you're going like this. I mean, when no one's looking, so they don't ring the bell or whatever they do nowadays. And you're doing this, and you're going, man, it just doesn't seem to be working. Because the growth is a process and a journey. And when David says, test me, he's really saying, God, I just want to know where I got to grow. So I can go to somewhere I've never been. And most of us, we don't even know where we got to grow. So we don't go to where God wants us to go. But what if you live the God year, the God purpose of your life? But how do I get there? How do I do that? How do I get to that space and place? You start by being courageous. Well, what is courageous? Not being deterred by hurt, circumstances, others. that the real enemy is not out there. The real enemy is not somebody else. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. People aren't your enemy. Circumstances aren't your enemy. Most of the time, the enemy uses the inner me to be my enemy. And you keep thinking, well, if somebody else would get this message, it would bring me happiness. No, it wouldn't because you would live skeptical and fearful and you would find your joy from somebody else. You would give them permission to be your God. So the real step, the real journey begins by God stepping to the inner me because I'm tired of trying to make enemies 
I'm tired of trying to find my hope and my joy and my peace on other people. And if I could let God heal the inner me, I could learn to love my enemy. And I could learn to pray against those who persecute me. And I could turn the other cheek and I could forgive in ways that I never knew was possible. Because the inner me has been healed by God. And the inner me has not transformed into my enemy. So David, how does David do this? Does David do it by just being tough and strong and having no fears, picking up a slingshot and slinging rocks? No, 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 no. David gets courageous by being, here it is, vulnerable to God. It's not that he stands strong, it's that he kneels in power. And he says, God, I'm inviting you into this uncomfortable place. And God, if I can't trust you in here, I can't trust anyone in here. So God, I'm inviting you in to search me. And God, I got some fears. I'm scared, God. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to do. God, I got some fears. And I'm asking that your perfect love would begin to cast those fears out. Not because the people are gone, the circumstance are gone, but because the God of the victory is now the God of my fear. And God, I got some junk in my life. I got some unresolved issues and sin and some stuff. That doesn't make you weird, it makes you human for all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. And after you ask for forgiveness, guess what you're going to need to do? You're going to need to ask for forgiveness. You're going to to grow. You're going to grow. You're not going to get there. You're going to grow. He said, so God, I invite you to heal the unrevealed. Because God, I want a new direction. I want a new direction this year. I don't want a resolution. I want a Holy Spirit revolution. And I'm tired of people telling me what I can be and what I'm not. I'm tired of looking at the circumstances to determine my future. My God is able. He's able to defeat my enemy. He's able to give me a future I never dreamt possible. He's able to forgive me in my past. He's able to give me a future that is unwavering. He's able to heal me in my disease. He's able to take my fear. He's able to give me hope. He's able to restore me, redeem me, renew me. My God is able. My fear will disable, but my God will make me able because he's a good, good God. And he doesn't love you because you got it all together. He loved you even when you didn't. So why do we have to play church? I'm so tired of playing Christianity. It's gross. Why just have it all together? Well, that's just my seat in the church. That's a spiritual word. David says, I don't wanna play anymore. I want to be authentically renewed and empowered by God. With every eye closed, every about, I want to pray for you. And just a reminder to online community, if you would hang out with us just a few minutes after service, we'd appreciate it. But we're going to pray together. Every eye's closed, every head's bowed. And maybe you're here today or you're watching online, you would just simply say, Pastor, 
Maybe the first step is I got to say yes to Jesus. I've never said yes to Jesus. And I just want you to know that if that's you today, I know what that means. I mean, I never even heard of Jesus until I was 18 years old, didn't know anything about him. And you might be questioning, can God change and redeem and fix and repair and restore a broken life? I'm living proof that he can and he has. And I'm not asking you to sign up for religion. I'm just inviting you into a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard, but God loves you. And sin separates us from God because he's a holy God. And the only way that, that sin could be repaired because the Bible says that sin, the wage of sin is death, that we deserve death because we've sinned. And that broke God's heart that he said, I'll send my son Jesus to pay the price for you. That if you would just surrender your heart to him and ask him to be the Lord of your life and say, Lord, confess that you have sinned and you need forgiveness. He is faithful and just. And I want you to know there's nothing more true than that I could ever speak to you because I've seen God do that in my own life. And if you're here today and you would say, in a moment when you pray, Pastor, would you include me in that prayer? Because I need to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? No one's looking and say, pray with me so I know who I'm praying with today. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Right here. I don't want to miss anyone. Right here. Anybody? We're right here. I don't want to make you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right here in the middle. You'd say, just pray with me. I need to say yes. I need to, or I need to come back to Jesus. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Right there. Yes, sir. I don't want to miss anybody at all. Anybody else? One last time. Just say, pray with me, Shane. Pray with me. Pray with me. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Before we pray today, for the rest of us, I would simply ask this question. When's the last time you invited God into that space of the uncomfortable? How many would right now just say, Shane, I've got some fears that I've tried to be the God of in my life. I haven't let his perfect love into that space because I've been hurt and I've been wounded and I've been let down. I've been disappointed. I'm afraid of the outcome. I've, that fear is real. I've got some fears that I need to hand over. If that's you today, all over this room, just lift your hand and go, yes, I got some fears. All over this room, yes. Or maybe you're here today and you would just simply say, Shane, I've got some hidden junk in my life. doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you're not even aware. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's a hidden sin. It doesn't matter what it is, but you got, I got some stuff that I need to let God heal. That I, I need to turn over to the Lord. And I want to be courageous enough to invite Jesus into that. If that's you, just lift your hands right now. All over this room, yeah. Absolutely, all over this room, yeah. Can we stand to our feet today and we're going to pray. And I'm asking you maybe to do one thing before we pray. This was so powerful last service. And just give me two more minutes and we'll go and you can come hang out and have pizza with us or if you'd like to. But before we go, a courageous prayer always begins with a courageous step. And for the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you that raised your hand today, I'm going to ask you to join me because I need to be here with you too. I got some stuff that I got to let God into. And Glenn, he, Glenn, how they're going to come down and pray with you. We got some leaders down here because we all got some stuff. But I'm going to ask you to take a step, a courageous step in 2023 to come down here and let's pray together because I want you to see you're not alone. So if you raised your hand for any of those things, I'm going to invite you down and let's pray together. Come on. 
some of you just need to see it was going to be okay. The other people are going to come. Just come on down. Just come on down. Just come on down. Come on, there's some more. But I'm gonna... okay. Guys up here, I want you to look at me as people. People are still coming. Just keep coming. If I have some staff and some leaders, I just need you to come pray with us too. But I've been a pastor now in ministry for, shoot, going on, I don't know, 25, 26 years. I still don't have it all together. Ask my wife. I have fears that I deal with regularly. I got some sin junk all the time. You ever tell you what it is? No, I'm just kidding. I have some doubts. I have some hangups. I have some hurts. And I'm growing. Being here doesn't mean, man, I got them weakened. Being here means you are being strengthened. It was in here in this space and place where God continually redeems me and renews me and encourages me and restores me. And the enemy is telling some of you, you dropped it. Jesus is saying, no, you're set up for a victory like you never knew possible. Don't let the enemy steal your courage. You are right where he wants you. And you know why I'm so inspired by this group today more than any other? Because you had the courage to go, I'm tired of living where I've been. I want to go to where I never knew was possible. I'm telling you, we serve a God who is faithful and just. So all over this room, in the front, all over, let's just lift our hands like this. You know why we do this? It's not like something religious. It's just surrender. It's going, God, I'm just, I'm giving this up. I'm surrendering this to you. And come on, I want you just to now just take a moment, just for 30 seconds, I just want you to pray. You can just pray right there and go, God, I, I'm stepping out of courage. And Lord, I'm, I'm giving you this. You just tell him whatever it is. You don't need to say it loud. Just you and God right now, just talk to him. God, I'm coming to you, asking you to bring healing to my hurt, this courage, Lord, this sin, whatever it is. Leaders, just start praying for people right now. Come on, just start praying for them right now. But we're just going to begin to lift and just begin to tell him all over this room. Just tell him, God, I give this to you. I give this to you. Come on, right now, I feel like God is setting some of you up. You have been hurt by some people. And you have stopped trusting and believing. You've pulled back from relationships. You feel isolated and you feel alone. I'm telling you right now, in the name of Jesus, he's healing that. He's becoming a friend that will sit closer than a brother. They no longer have reign in your life. They no longer have victory in your life. You are being released from that. Come on, say, I am released from that past. I'm released. Some of you, you're going to begin to walk in forgiveness. Come on, right now, Jesus, just begin to move. Begin to move, Jesus. Lord, thank you right now for all that you're doing. Some of you, there's some sin, there's some things. Can I tell you something? God isn't disgusted by you. God loves you. Come on, right now, just release it. Say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. God, I'm revealing it. I'm giving it to you, Lord. Yes. Now, all of you that got your hands raised all over this room, we're going to pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I've got some issues. I've got some fears. 
I've got some sins. And Lord, I'm not inviting you into my life. I surrender, Lord. And I'm believing that you're setting me up for a new season. God, I ask your blessing in my life. I'm tired of living average. I want to live as you created me to. Thank you for calling me your child. Thank you for loving me. I declare today, Jesus, that I am not a victim to life, but I am now victorious in Christ Jesus. I am victorious in Christ Jesus. And so I will live at a new level. Grow me, Jesus. Stretch me, Jesus. Test me, Jesus. Because I'm moving forward in you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, now put your hands together and give God praise and glory. Yes, 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 yes. Come on now. Here's what I want you to do. It's going to sound weird. I want you to find five people and go, let's be courageous together. Let's be courageous together. Just tell them. Just start around. Let's be courageous together. Let's be courageous together. Come right now, guys, right here. You start just telling some people, we'll be courageous together. We are going to do this together. You are not alone. I want you here Wednesday night. We're going to have prayer like we've never had before. Guys, let me tell you something. It isn't going to be easy. But here's what I promise you. You're not going to walk alone. Because he that is for you, that is Jesus. If he is for you, and the Shane Walters version of the Bible says, who gives a rip who's against you? God is for you. Have a great week.